Welcome to the Family Success Dashboard, we're calling it today. We're going to talk about what are some areas that you can set goals for your family success? Like what are the areas that you can count on or expect to be successful? And you, you may have a bigger list than this. This is just a suggestion. And the second piece of this is going to be about how do you measure whether you're achieving those successes or not? So let's start out with the areas or the goals or whatever. On the most basic level, we're all looking for a sense of well-being. So we're going to define well-being here as minimally stressful or a stress-free lifestyle. So the science of positive psychology studies this well-being. And well-being, they talk about as being happiness. And what they found is that when people's basic needs for well-being or happiness are met, you know, when the stressors are in terms of basic survival are minimized, people are happier. And so what they found is, for example, that when a family hits around 70 or $80,000 worth of family income per year, their stress levels come a lot lower because at that income, they have a place to live. They usually have an automobile. They've usually got a washing machine. So they're taking care of their family in-house. They've got enough money to have the equipment to make that stuff easier so they can still be productive and make money. They can still show up for their children and one another. And then after that, they, that point, the car becomes not, do I have a car, but am I gonna have uh, a Hyundai or a Mercedes, or am I gonna have something in between or something higher? But that apparently makes less of a qualitative difference than do I have a car or do I not have a car? So what they found is once your basic needs are met, food, shelter, vehicle for getting around, job, you know, those things, people's sense of well-being as at a is sort of plateaus in terms of income. Secondarily, family well-being or is contingent on individual well-being. Individual well-being is based on individual fulfillment and satisfaction and how is the individual managing stress. So the first area that we really want to set goals in has to do with this, the baseline of well-being. If this thing of well-being is not in place, if you are not eating, you're going to be really stressed. If you have to go to the laundromat every week and spend hours doing your laundry and lose productivity, you're going to be stressed. If your kids uh, don't have safe playtime, you're going to be stressed. So the area of well-being is sort of a key area to set a goal in. And so what I'm going to encourage you to do here, and you'll see this in the workbook that comes with this course, is think about what does it take, what does your family need to have a sense of well-being? And again, reducing stress. So look at the areas of your life. Look at the mental or mental, emotional, uh, the physical spiritual areas of your life. So let's talk about what those things mean for a second. The, the spiritual, we're gonna define on the most basic level as connection to other people. Right? Spirituality in its purest definition is a sense of connection. Now, if you have a, a higher power in your life that you call God, for example, that sense of connection is what's important. Uh, if you believe in the force, 
and the force runs through everything. It's connection that's important. If you don't believe in God at all, spirituality still is a matter of connection, your connection to your family, your connection to your neighbors, your connection to nature, your connection to your society, your connection at work. The cleaner and stronger your sense of connection, the deeper your sense of having a spiritual sense of fulfillment. So I wanna be really clear, this isn't necessarily about social connection, it's connection in general. What is missing in terms of your family's sense of connection? And here, let me throw out some ideas for you. Studies show that families that are involved with a spiritual group of some kind, it doesn't seem to matter what kind, by the way, and have 10 or more friends within that group have a stronger network of support, a sense of connection, and their sense of well-being is happier or higher as a result. So think about, when you think about connection, what is your connection with your partner? Assuming that you're living with a partner. If you, you may have a co-parent in another household. What's your sense of your connection with your co-parent? You know, what are the, the things that you can agree on and count on in one another in either situation? What ways could you deepen that sense of connection? Because your co-parent or your partner, either or both, these are the folks that you're going to rely on the most in terms of rearing the children. So during the pandemic, for example, what a lot of people would call me up about, I'd be having these conversations, they'd be telling me, I'm working my butt off and you know, then I have to take care of the kids and I don't have any time for myself. And then after some coaching, what they'd find out was they needed to take care of themselves first. They needed to have a relationship with their co-parent or partner second, because when they had a partnership going in regards to child rearing, taking care of the kids was easier. And so once they got that order of events in place, their lives got simpler, not, I mean, it was, it's pandemic, you know, so not perfect, but simpler. All right, so that's connection. Think about what's the connections that you need? What's the connection your children need? What's the connection that your family needs? And start to think about your family as something related to but separate from you as an individual. The concept of the family is, uh, it's like a corporation. It's made up of the strengths of everyone in the family and it has an identity all into itself. So think about, as you think about how you nurture connection, what are the connections you need to nurture for yourself? What are the connections you need to nurture with your partner? What are the connections you need to nurture with your children? And what are the connections that you need to nurture with the family, your immediate family, your partner, the children, like what do you need to do regularly to keep that sense of family going? What are the connections that you, your partner, your children, and the family need to have with the wider family, right? Your, your in-laws, your parents, your siblings, your partner's siblings. What are the connections that your family, your immediate family, you and your children need to have with the wider community? These are the things that this is what connection is about. And any place where there's a weakness is going to be a place that you can build up and make stronger. When this sense of connection is in place, your baseline for well-being is radically improved. All right, let's talk about mental or emotional. Mental and emotional very much tends to be contingent on con connection within a family. If you and your partner are having trouble connecting on some level, if your sense of safety and intimacy have only gone so far, 
building on that connection is part of what's going to help with it. But you may need some outside help with it also. I mean, very often what couples find is they get into this rhythm of taking care of their children and plowing forward in life. And they start to find their individual satisfaction in their individual worlds and less with each other. And what happens in every relationship is there tends to be a dynamic or an argument that every couple has that goes nowhere. Every couple has it. Some couples manage it by just not doing it. But it is present. It can happen. It has happened in the past. Some couples don't manage it. It just happens all the time and it's a big interruption. The key is to identify what this area, what this conflict is and how to stop having it and what communication can take its place. And very often that takes working with another person. That's actually something that I do a lot of with couples. Also, of course, your physical well-being as individuals and as a family needs to be taken care of. You need to be eating well. You all need to be sleeping. You all need to have a sense of safety and protection. You all need to be getting a certain amount of exercise and taking care of your bodies. You all need to be washing and bathing and quaffing yourselves and doing all those physical things that help you to feel whole, complete, healthy, and moving forward. So that's the baseline for well-being are those three qualities of mental or emotional, physical, and connection or spiritual. Okay, we also talked about that in terms of the individual, in terms of the children, in terms of your partner. Um, we talked about the community. So now let's talk about how are you going to measure those things. Now, actually not quite done with that before we get to measuring. So we talked about well-being, but the question really is once you have the baseline for well-being and you're working on those things for well-being, next what you have is your future aspirations. So what are your future aspirations for yourself? What is your partner's future aspirations for themselves? What are your aspirations for your children? How much of it is based on their actual skills and abilities and interests? And how much of it is your projecting onto them, right? Like, do you have a child that you think should be a really good football player, but they have no interest in football whatsoever? That would be an example of maybe there's a little transference going on. Uh, what are your aspirations for your children as adults? What are your aspirations for your marriage when your children become adults? So where a lot of marriages get lost is they focus on the children, the children, the children, and then the children leave the nest. They become empty nesters and suddenly they find out that they haven't been building their own relationship. And so there's nothing there and they get divorced, which like, believe it or not, is worse for the children than if they got divorced at an earlier age in some ways. And we can talk about that in a whole nother course. What you need to know is it's important to consider the future of your partnership, the future for your children and your personal futures. Uh, and I would say, even think about, start to think about if you haven't already, what is life gonna look like when your children are having children? What is the future, the ground that you wanna lay for when your children are having children. So let me go into this just a little bit deeper. I often reference the Rockefeller family as being the masters of this, but there are in fact plenty of wealthy, very wealthy families who have done excellent planning on the experience they want their children's children to have. But I reference the Rockefellers because I've read about them a lot. 
Now the Rockefellers have foundations and trusts set up for their family. And what those foundations and trusts do is they ensure that their children and their children's children have their basic well-being needs met. And probably, let's be honest, a little more than basic well-being because in the Rockefeller family's world, basic well-being means having enough money to stay in the top one or 2% that owns 80% of the wealth on the planet. And that means having enough money to have a Bugatti or whatever the heck they want to have and having the right kind of house and going to the right schools and all that stuff. They have a vision for not only the well-being of their children, but their sense of well-being is founded on remaining in a certain social status. And that may be true for you as well, or it may not. It is possible to develop a vision like the Rockefeller family has without the concerns for social status. It's possible to develop a vision for your family where you lay out a trust that's going to ensure that your grandchildren have the money they need for college, for example. You get to decide what, what that means, what your future aspirations are. I'm talking, we're talking about goals here. You get to decide how big of a house is big enough. It's really easy in life for us to get hooked on the idea of, oh, well, this house is really cool, but that house would be even cooler. Or this car is really cool, but that car would be even cooler. I'm going to encourage you instead to think about what is it that you really value? What are, where are your values in life? What are the principles and values that you want to communicate to your children, that they're going to communicate to their children, to their children's children? What are the values that really live for you? Um, and if this is something that you're not sure about, by the way, we've got other courses here on, on our course list that can help you develop your sense of values, uh, to help you develop your sense of strengths of where you want things to go. Anyway, big picture. You're gonna think about your values, your principles, the life, the kind of life you wanna lead, uh, when you're 80, 90, 100, might live to be 120, who knows? You're going to think about how much money that costs. You're going to, th but think about money as a vehicle to ensuring the, your values and principles and as a means to an end, not as an end itself. The, the risk always is that we get sucked into this worldly uh, sold to us idea that we need to have a certain amount of money to look a certain way, to be a certain way. And that's just that, that, that may work for some people uh, and it may not work for others. So just think about that as you, as you set your goals for the future. Now, having talked about well-being, having talked about a future that ensures the well-being of our children and our children's children, having talked about values and principles, now I'm ready to talk about how do you measure and drive that forward? The first thing is you need to, to have a way to articulate the goals that you've set. And goal setting is always something you want to engage in with your partner if you're living with a partner. If you're on your own, maybe you want to engage your children in it. It's the more buy-in you have in the goal setting process, the more effective and empowering the goals are going to be. Once you have the goals, excuse me, declared, there's all kinds of ways that you can lay them out in front of you. You can write it out as a testimony of where you're going in your life. You could create a vision board. Some people create vision boards, or you could create 
uh, what we call here at Rich in Relationship a promise board. A promise board is a vision board on steroids. A promise board is a way that you can, gives you actual means of measuring how you're doing going towards these goals. And the other thing that you want is you want milestones. Part of what makes a promise board work is you put your milestones on there and you break down your milestones into bite-sized achievable goals. You wanna break your goals down into things that you can do in the next month, the next year, things that are achievable. That way you can start to measure whether you're getting towards these goals, how you're doing with getting towards these goals. And I would encourage you, I really emphasize values and principles. I would encourage you to think very carefully about what are the values and principles that you wanna communicate communicate to your children and how are you going to do that and we also have a course here on uh, building resilience in children which is all about communicating values to your children and doing that through traditions and stories and other means you've got milestones they're achievable they're measurable what do you do when things get off course with the milestones, you have to sit down and look at, all right, I'm off course, what is it? What, what derailed me here? Was there a concern that I didn't take into account when I started to create my vision? Uh, were, my vision were my visions and goals and my aspirations for my family uh, too much? Did I not break it down into small enough pieces? What got in the way here? And this is where the rubber hits the road. There is a tendency to want to just live our lives, going to our jobs and showing up and having the experience without making any changes. This is a case of change or your vision dies. If we get absorbed into the day-to-day -day details without thinking about where we're going, it's the equivalent of driving your car and turning down any street that comes along instead of keeping your eyes on the prize. You wanna have your eyes on the prize so that you know when you're offered the choice of going to the right or the left, which way you're gonna go. That the right's gonna take you where you wanna go and the left is gonna take you, it's gonna be a detour. If you have these visions, uh, the goals, the milestones, you're gonna know better which way to turn when the opportunities come. And there may even be opportunities that you turn down which look good and would make sense to any human being. But when you look in terms of your milestones and goals, they're not good enough. And I promise you that when you come to these situations where something comes along that is good, but doesn't align with your goal and you say no to it, that two more doors will open that will take you to your goal. There's a certain level of faith and confidence that needs to come with this. And in many ways, that faith in a compelling future, a compelling future being the one that you really want for you and your family, that faith and confidence in that compelling future is built on our sense of connection, going back to that earlier conversation. When we have that sense of connection, and we're certain that the compelling future that we're moving towards, that we are faithfully and diligently moving towards is good and real and healthy for our family and that we have the buy-in of our family and everyone is in alignment on it. Things fall into place more and more easily. So take a look at the workbook, uh, work through it. It's gonna help you with this. And as I said, I've got a uh, 
couple of other courses here that can help you. If you find this helpful, maybe you want to look at them too. If not, this might stand on its own to help you get to the next steps. Just remember that anytime you write something down, you are 93% more likely to accomplish it. This is what studies show. When you write down a goal, you're 93% more likely to accomplish it. When you speak it to someone, you're 97% more likely to accomplish it. And very often that's what the purpose of a coach is for is to have someone to speak it to and to have them talk through. When you hit those, those breakdowns on the way to your milestones, they can talk through and help you figure out, all right, how do I get to that milestone? How, or how do I reset that milestone so it's realistic or whatever it is? If you need any kind of help at all, reach out to me, rich at richinrelationship.com. Or another way you can get me is, I believe you can schedule a call with me through bit.ly forward slash end the fight, E-N-D-T-H-E-F-I-G-H-T. <clears throat> bit.ly forward slash E-N-D-T-H-E-F-I-G-H-T. Uh, I think you can schedule a call with me directly that way. Good luck.